0: I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to Nationals this year. Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Raheem defends left side as the ball is thrown into the lane by Fry and intercepted by Buttinger. George hailed to the rack, and he threw it down with a right hand. Mills, sideline left, gets a screen from Dial wheels the top, lobs it inside for Boris, the catch in the paint, the baby hook is good, from Patty Mills, Boris Dial Wade, out to Dragic, in the corner, Johnson for three, Johnson, another one, 25 for Joe Johnson, 15 points here in this fourth period, and oh, Joe Johnson has been huge for the Heat. It is locked on Jazz for the 14th of July. Wins over replacement level again? Yeah, because I think I better explain what we really did yesterday. How the Jazz T-Bore Place is progressing in the summer league. Little tiny moves by teams, but I can't figure out if they actually matter. And a really interesting email about Bell Curve for a team. It's all coming up on this edition of Locked. On jazz, bum 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 pow. Phew, it stopped. I told that story to my wife yesterday because she thinks that drum roll is the stupidest thing she's ever heard. She's like, "You're tone deaf. You can't sing, and you do a drum roll every day on your show. What are you doing? Because uh, you need somebody in your life to tell you that you're idiotic." So I told my wife last night. We were out at a, kind of an outdoor patio for dinner. And I told my wife, my gosh, I had this dream, and my dream was that the drum roll, I couldn't stop the drum roll. Oh my gosh, she peed. She could not stop laughing. She was like bent over and just hysterically falling apart from the idea that the drum roll just would just never stop. Uh, For those of you who don't know the story behind the drum roll, uh, I opened, when I first started the show five years ago, uh, we just... I had no production. I didn't have anyone doing any of that kind of stuff. So I, uh, we just did, that's what I did for production. And then it, kind of took a life of its own, so that's now just part of the show, but that was the dream I had the other day, is that I couldn't get it to stop, which, you know, might be an anxiety dream about building a Locked On Podcast Network or something else, you all can analyze it uh, however you wish. Uh, I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider, this is Locked On Jazz, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, excited to welcome the Atlanta Hawks uh, new show uh, to the Locked On Podcast Network uh for you hope you enjoy it locked on nba jonathan sharks uh on he did a uh, great piece about why he believes the jazz are going to be really really good this year and the next threat to the warriors and uh he joined the show uh, Locked On NBA, so that's available for you. We'll talk about that a little bit on the show today. Uh, elsewhere on the Locked On Podcast Network for you today, uh, both the Thunder, Locked On Thunder and Locked On Celtics kind of talk about Summer League rumors and from different angles on things. Uh, the Locked On Magic host is required uh, at least once a week to do a show on Aaron Gordon uh, because of my love for him. So he's done his uh, – that's a joke uh, – the summer of Aaron Gordon. And then the Locked On Heat has done something about heat culture, which which is a good listen, just kind of when you think about it from NBA teams. So, uh, and the Locked On Spurs show continues their Tim Duncan retrospective. Uh, let's go to pins across the world. That's where we start uh, each and every uh, show along the way, and uh, always like to to get these little touches. This is a you can send this in to me at D Lock at zero uh, nine at gmail dot com uh, and also, if you could like today 's i 've bypassed a bunch of times so i 'm going to try to get to because it 's just kind of so long. Try to understand i 'm reading on the on the radio, and listeners need to stay engaged. but the idea is uh, tell me where you 're listening the show to the show from and what your backstory is today, uh, Kendall Martin. Uh, joins us, and uh, this is the first email I've sent you it was not very detailed and quite boring, so I'll try again. So he went the other way. A few things have changed in my life since I last emailed. I currently live in Burley, Idaho, but I grew up in Smithfield, Utah, just north of Logan. Go Aggies! I became a Uh, basketball junkie in third grade when I signed up for Junior Jazz. I don't think that my parents knew how that would change our lives over the next 30 years. Later that year, when Junior Jazz, I was able to attend a jazz game at the old Salt Palace, and we sat the very top row. The game was against Lakers, and I remember going to the game wanting the Lakers to win because my Junior Jazz team was the Lakers. Okay, Junior Jazz is the model program, but what the... are they allowing anyone to be the Lakers for? During the game, I got caught with jazz fever and have never looked back. Jazz won. We went on the court. I was able to give John Stockton a A high five as he left the court. Changed my life forever. i followed the Jazz intensely ever since. One of my fondest memories is the rivalry we had with the Rockets in the 90s. I had a family in Houston, and after each game, we'd have a phone call of trash talking. The best part, of course, was the shot. I still get in tears in my eyes every time I hear that play. Uh, I've been accused of loving the Jazz more than my wife. Uh, Okay, that's probably not good. I was first hit with the accusation when Jerry retired. I told my wife it felt like my dad died. Uh, I had told you before that when we took over for Hot Rod I did not like you, uh, which was meant by this is just how your style was different and hard for me. Um, It's not the first time I've heard that. Last year uh, so my major change in my life is uh, my nine-year-old son last year he started playing basketball has picked it up really well. He has a natural talent level and it's been a great deal of fun. I'm kind of bypassing some other uh, stuff here that gets kind of serious um, about his son that was some tough stuff only due to time, not because of neglect so I just want to let Kendall Martin know that if I hear this um, he talks about just the jazz help him out uh, and uh, does a lot of stuff his son deals with some anxiety issues and things of that nature so all positive there so thank you that's from Kendall uh, Martin glad to have Kendall aboard and he is uh, in Burley Idaho Kendall thank you very much Kendall, I see your business. You should advertise on the Locked On Jazz podcast. If you'd like to advertise on the Locked On Jazz podcast, you can email me at dlock 9 at gmail uh, dot com. I've got a bunch of meetings on that this week, so kind of exciting stuff. All right, let's get to the tip off uh, or the yeah the tip off story. Of the day. I, I thought this was really well done. Yesterday we talked about wins over replacement player added from the five thirty eight and how much they would improve the Jazz and and what that meant. We went through it and. Uh, we talked about uh, what I thought maybe the one thing I didn't do well in that was I really talked about just our main rotation and you know Joe Ingles' win over replacement player is really good and Jeff Withy's win over replacement player level is really good and so some of the additions I was talking about didn't look as good as they would otherwise but what I think is important to recognize within this discussion is that to some extent you know that I really should have taken Joe Ingles and had him replace our fifth wing. Uh, of last year, whom I'm not actually even sure who that was by the time we hit all the injuries, and then I should have had Jeff Withy, you know, probably replace Tabor Pleiss to some extent in the rotation of, of players, and and have that plus, and what you end up getting is a little bit of a different look. Uh, so, Andy Bailey, who does nice work for Bleacher Report. Uh, published a list of all 30 teams and whose teams had the largest win over replacement player and who's had uh, the biggest ru- rush forward and who had the biggest drop. The Warriors obviously had the largest, uh, and that Jonathan Sharks on Lockdown and just says, you know, D- Durant over Harrison Barnes is just so big. Uh, they, they actually improved their win total by 17.5 uh, wins. Over replacement like it's impossible. I I swear, if the Warriors defend at all, I have no idea how they're ever losing. Uh what's really interesting is that the according to this, the Bucs uh just got rid of so much dead weight in Bayless, Mayo, Ingalls, O'Brien, and Vasquez that they're actually the second biggest jump in the NBA of wins over replacement level. The third is the Jazz. That when you take uh, Hill, Johnson, and D out, and you don't get rid of Ingalls and Withy and others, and you just drop Booker and Burke, uh, that the Jazz are the, are the third biggest. So that's a different way to look at it, what we did. Uh, I thought this was surprising. I was really surprised by some of this. The third, uh, the fourth team is the Timberwolves. Uh, Cole Aldridge, uh, addition, uh, somehow has them at 5.9 up from last year. I don't even, um, I'm surprised by that. Uh, uh, really surprised by that, actually, uh, a little bit. Uh, the Celtics are fifth, which is Al Horford over Evan Turner and Jared Sellinger. Then, strangely, the Blazers are sixth best, largely because the players they lost, Gerald Henderson, Cliff Alexander, Brian Roberts, were negative uh, along the way. Uh, the Lakers are actually, with all their moves, the seventh best. That's lar- partially because they just got rid of Kobe. The Bulls are eighth uh again surprising everyone's talking about what a bad off season they had, but Rose wasn't good last year, and they added dwayne Wade uh you know the Rose was really bad uh i you know I almost wonder had the, the bulls make a uh, significant mistake had they just moved Derek Rose and kept most other things together. My metrics say uh they would have been pretty good uh one of these days I'll try to put together pack for everybody um Honestly, I haven't done it because I'm working on the Lockdown Podcast Network in most of my free time right now. Uh, the Kings are ninth and the Grizzlies are tenth. Uh, the, the Grizzlies, the addition of, of Chandler Parsons, the loss of Matt Barnes, a little surprising there, and the Magic are 11th. So I was a little surprised by this. Now, the, the worst of the groups, the Heat are just decimated. The Joe Johnson, Lou Dang, Dwayne Wade loss, the Heat are decimated, even more so than the Thunder. That's really surprising to me. The Heat have lost more wins over a placement player, uh, than the, than the Thunder. Uh, the biggest losers though are the Heat. This is, this is really interesting for the Jazz. Uh, the Heat, the Thunder, the Hawks, Teague and Horford, the Spurs, the Clippers, and then the Pacers, uh, with losing the three hills in Yamahimi, uh, lost a ton. But the the biggest talent losses are the Thunder, without addition, ignoring addition, are the Thunder, the Spurs are one and two, and then the Clippers are in there because they didn't add anyone. They added Mo Spates, who's not good, as I talked about. So from a Jazz standpoint in the Western Conference, what gets so interesting here is you have the Clippers dropping back, you have the Spurs dropping back, you have the Thunder going into a completely different stratosphere. And then even the Rockets uh, were a negative overall, even despite the fact that they added Anderson and Gordon and Nene, who I like. I've always liked Nene probably more than I should. Uh, You know, all of those guys. uh, And the Mavericks are dead even. So the only Western Conference teams that got better were the Warriors. The Jazz got six wins better, according to this. And I don't know what that basis is off, because if it's off – as I talked about yesterday, if it's off the point differential, then the Jazz are already pretty high. The Timberwolves, the Blazers, which is just hard for me to grasp uh, that Evan Turner's really going to help them that much, but I'll, I'll have to buy into that a little bit. May just, you know, we only talk about offense. Maybe the fact that both Dame and CJ are poor defensively and Turner is good can and relieve them of that pressure is worth the whole thing. Uh, and the Kings and the Grizzlies had upward ticks uh, from. Where they were uh, a year ago, Pelicans are are relatively even in the process. Uh, so we'll be, you know, again, kind of the the, converse, the crazy conversation we had yesterday. I was I was talking with a friend out of Detroit yesterday, and he made the comment, "How cool is it that you could even have the show in which you discussed whether or not the Jazz uh, were the number two team in the West?" I mean that. The fact that our front office has just done the job they've done that allows us to have that conversation is is pretty awesome. So that's just kind of an overall, just to sum it up, uh, the five biggest movers, Celtics, Timberwolves, Jazz, Bucks, and then obviously the Warriors. Um, And the five biggest losers are the Heat, Thunder, Hawks, Spurs, and Clippers. It leads to a really interesting discussion, by the way, on the Eastern Conference. We don't focus on it enough, but clearly Cleveland is still number one. And Boston is making a pretty good jump to number two. Toronto's staying even, so they're right there. And then what? Like then what in the Eastern Conference? Because it used to be the Hawks, it used to be the Heat who were battling four or five. Both of them have dropped off considerably. The Pacers have always been around there; they've dropped off considerably. The Hornets are usually around. Uh, were there last year? They've dropped off considerably with their off season. According to wins over replacement, uh, so who's who's next in the East? It's kind of a crazy discussion. So anyway, I thought that was our. Uh, I thought that was worth uh, discussing. In our uh, for our lead story today and the tip off uh, along the way, and again, uh, I thought that was a great point. The fact that we can even have this discussion is pretty awesome. Uh, James McMurray sent me an interesting idea. We talk about bell curve of players, and um, for those who that you know, a player really has inside of his natural performance level some level where you can kind of just see what his natural points per game is every game out and there's some natural bell curve to what it is so that if someone like Rodney Hood averages you know 15 points a game his bell curve peak is probably right around 15 and then um, you know he's probably on on a given night he's a 12 to 18 point a game guy and uh, and then you end up with certain nights that are outliers and uh those outliers happen equally on each side. So, you know, if, if I pull up Rodney right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Uh, if you look at him last year, he had 40, uh, he had 46 games in which he scored between 10 and 19 points. And then he had 13 games where he scored between 20 and 29. And he had two games where he busted 30. So that's kind of the way outlier on the bell curve. And he had 18 games in which he scored zero or nine. Um, And so his bell curve, scoring 14 points a game, is probably shaded a little bit like 11 to 16, and he sits in that range. And when he goes and has that insane stretch that he kind of gets us with every now and then. We're at 32 against Memphis and 23 against Houston. It's not actually that he changed, or even that he had the 23 against Detroit, 24 against Charlotte, and uh, 22 against Minnesota in that amazing stretcher. And then he followed that up, by the way, after two games with 23, 25, 29, and we all suddenly said, oh, he's a different player. He actually just... He kind of was outside of his bell curve for a little while and maybe in a sense he shifted his bell curve just a tiny bit. So that's how we talk about players and I think it's a, it's a smart way to do it. Or just, I hate that term smart. It's a, it's a, a correct, it's a accurate. So James sent me, well what about a bell curve for a team? Um, and his idea was that the Jazz had 0% chance to be the one seed, a 2% chance to be the second seed, an 8% chance to be the third seed, a 20% chance to be the fourth seed, a 25% chance to be the fifth seed, a 20% chance to be the sixth seed, a 12% chance, seven, and 8% chance to be the eighth seed and 5% out of the playoffs. I, I actually would say out of the playoffs is probably higher than that, just other teams can be good, too. Um, but his idea was that your peak of your bell curve, you know, is at five and actually I like what he did. His peak of his bell curve is at five with equally. And then it's a little bit heavier toward falling out of the playoffs. Um, if you look at it closely, he's got 45%, uh, possibility af below the fifth seed and he only has a 30% chance above the fifth seed, um, and the fifth seed sitting at 25%. It's it's well done. Concept of a bell curve. It it's a good it's actually an interesting way to kind of look at teams and I think we would have a collection of teams in the Western Conference next year that are kind of sitting with a similar bell curve. Right? So the Warriors belt would not have a bell curve. They would just have a mountain and then it falls off the other side. And the Clippers and the Spurs would probably have um, almost kind of a a mountain as well, and then the rest of us would have a bell curve uh, that that moves kind of progressively down the road. And I I think it's a that's an interesting way to look at where the Jazz are. That you know really the likelihood is the Jazz are the fifth or sixth or seventh seed, but they've made a team that gives you. A percentage chance of rea- reality of getting to uh, something higher. It's, it's awfully exciting. By the way, season tickets for the Utah Jazz are available. Call 801-325-2999. That's 801-325-2999. I want you to be a part of it. Uh, I, I'm so excited for this town to just be bubbling with jazz basketball. Game. I mean, the, the passion and energy and excitement of jazz fans, despite not having a great deal to fire up about, has just been so incredible. Uh, Jonathan Sharks, who's our guest on Locked on NBA this week, wrote a piece about the Jazz, which I thought was, was really interesting. His first, And he made, I thought, uh, three points that are really uh, worth talking about. Uh, four of them, really. One was he talked about the addition of the three-point shooting. So Hill's a 41% three-point shooter. Uh, Joe Johnson is a 38% three-point shooter, and Boris Diaw was a 36% uh, three-point shooter. And I even think you can go next level on some of this and start talking about uh, that there's enough talent, and it's not anything more than the Jazz offense isn't so great that it's going to be more than what anybody else does. But I do think there's a level where you can suddenly start to say, what about open looks? Because we just missed – it felt as though – actually, I can look this up to see whether it's true or not. It felt as though the Jazz just missed a tremendous amount of open looks. And then when you dig into George Hill, catch-and-shoot three last year, 45% on catch-and-shoot threes and 45% on open threes. Now, that is just a game-changer uh, for the Jazz in, in having that as – uh, at your point guard position, and actually Neto hit a lot of shots last year, but he, he w- I mean, he was stunningly open and not a threat. And um, Joe Johnson comes to the Jazz uh, last year. He's a forty th- percent catch and shoot three point shooter, and he's a forty percent open uh, three point sh- shooter. I mean, th- these are these are game changing numbers uh, to who the Jazz are. And then you add. And frankly, now uh, let's not forget what a good shooter Joe Ingles is. You know, now if Joe Ingles is coming off the bench, and you can start running some stuff for him in the corner where he's just so fabulous. That's a that's a big deal. Boris Diaw uh, was not a great catch and shoot three point shooter last year, which is interesting. He was a 34 percent catch and shoot shooter, but he was a 39 percent open three point shooter. So that would lead you to believe that he almost needs. Um, a dribble to settle himself or that last year was an outlier. So let's take a second and look at whether it is. And he actually is not. He was a 33% catch and shoot three-point shooter uh, the year before and 34% wide open three-point shooter. So, uh, we'll see. There does seem to be, by the way, uh, in the NBA circles, a rising concern on whether Boris Diaw, uh, how Boris Diaw turns out to be um, this year. Some people think that he signed his contract and has kind of let it go, that you might get the Charlotte, Boris Diaw. And if we do, then you just Trey Lyles and Jeff Withey play a lot. All right, so the other points that uh, Sharks had to talk about, he talked about Hayward being the star, and that he's awfully close to being the star, and that with this additional uh, support around him, he can make the next step. Uh, congratulations to Gordon, by the way. They just had the birth of their second daughter, uh, and that's why he's not doing the Olympics. So congratulations to he and Robin and little Bernie for their who now is a big sister uh, for the addition of I think it's Charlotte. So congratulations to to the Haywards and uh, awfully exciting for them. Uh, and there's, he'll be so, have so much more support on what he's been able to do. And I've interacted with Gordon a little bit, and the idea of you know. Having that support at the point guard position certainly has him excited. Uh, he also, uh, these were some other comments from his article, uh, Jonathan Sharks. Uh, the Jazz are an amoeba who can adapt their rotation and style of play to any team in the NBA. And I, that's a huge factor. Snyder can go small without sacrificing any length. He can put out lineups with five players of at least six, seven who can switch screens and shoot. They can guard and attack from every spot on the floor, which is really tough to prepare for in a seven-game series. So interesting to see uh, where they go. And then I talked about it from just an offensive standpoint. You know, we just have – if Trey Lyles can get positive in pack, uh, the chances are we'll possibly have that positive pack all across the board. All right, that uh, sums up kind of where I am today. Uh, I was trying to see if I had anything – uh, else, But that, that's where I was going today. That's what I have for you. I hope you're good. Thanks very much for tuning in. Five stars on any of the podcatchers and a nice little comment would just make my day. Go over and catch Locked On NBA Today. That's uh, brought to you by Mac Weldon and the focus is... Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer. I hope you'll really like that conversation. I know you probably, Jonathan's probably not a name you know. I would just give me give me a little trust on that it's worth uh, going to grab and then all of the Locked On NBA uh, shows are up, Our Locked On podcast shows are up and interesting today if you get time to listen. Thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate your support. Appreciate your support of the Jazz. Send me your emails with your pins across the world. If you want to advertise or anything else, you just want to say hi, or if you've got brilliant questions like James McMurray did, email me at DLock09 at gmail.com. Have a great day.